Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Women for America. For the past several weeks, Concerned Women for America and Young Women for America have been all over the country hosting Stand with Israel prayer rallies on college campuses and in different communities. Last week, we were at Calvary Chapel Chino Hills in Southern California to join Pastor Jack Hibbs and many other like-minded brothers and sisters for a powerful Stand with Israel event. Among the speakers was CWA CEO and President Penny Nance, who powerfully shared about her first experience traveling to Israel in 2013, and then proceeded to lead the congregation into a time of prayer and action, all of which you will get to hear in this episode. Strong women, smart policy, solid theology, and no apology. You're listening to Women for America, a ministry of Concerned Women for America, the nation's largest public policy organization for women, bringing you biblical perspectives to today's most pressing issues. And to lead us in prayer is a lover of Israel. She's known for that. She's the CEO and president of Concerned Women for America. She's a nationally recognized author on cultural issues, children's issues, women's issues, named as one of the top four most powerful, outspoken pro-life females. She's a Newsmax contributor. She's been recognized as among the 100 most influential evangelicals in America. She stands with the Israeli Alliance Foundation as one of the top 50 Christians in standing for Israel, Penny Nance, is a leader on the issues of pro-life messaging and policy. She has appeared on all of the news channels that you all know. She's been a featured and numerous uh, time uh, publication or uh, one that contributes to the New York Times, the USA Today, Wall Street Journal, and Washington Post. And Nancy served on President Trump's Life Advisory Council and was blessed to work in and out of the White House. And so Nancy is going to lead us, or Penny's going to lead us in prayer tonight. And that means if you stand in prayer, if you kneel, if you want to get on your face, do it. But she's a woman of prayer. She is a fighter. I met her, I think it was at a Trump gathering. I was on President Trump's faith advisory team. She was on the life advisory team. But... um, just a woman who brings heaven down in prayer. So give a warm welcome to Penny Nance. You may be seated. I'm going to get you back up, though, in just a minute. You know, uh, I've heard a lot from people recently wondering, where are the women in this country? The fact that Israeli women were beaten, that they were raped, they were gang raped, they were murdered, and where are the feminist groups? But let me just tell you tonight that Concerned Women for America and our Young Women for America leaders and the women of faith around this country and in this room are standing for Israel. Concerned Women for America are women like you, and many of you are members, by the way, who are standing for the truth, 
There's not your truth and my truth. There is the truth in the public square. And we will not back down. And this is our moment to speak. You know, Aslan is on the move. God is working. I am seeing miracles. And by the way, none of this is a surprise to God. He knew this moment was going to come. He's looked through the ages to this very moment. And I'm seeing things happen. Like who knew a no-name congressman from Louisiana was going to be elected Speaker of the House? My staff asked me when he was elected, do you have a picture of you and Mike Johnson? I know Mike Johnson. I'm like, no, I never knew I needed a picture with Mike Johnson. I mean, he's one of, you know, 545 members. But he's a great man, and he is a godly man. And it is nothing short of a miracle that he was elected speaker. Now, joining me tonight is Marlo Tucker, who's our state director from California. If you stand up real quickly. And also... Um, Faith Ozenbaugh, who's also our Young Women for America leader in California from this area. And she's a member of your church, actually. We have 250. You saw just a few of these Young Women for America chapters around this country. You know, when this all happened, we said immediately to our Young Women for America leaders, go to the Israel rallies. Because, of course, we're seeing horrific anti-Semitism breaking loose on college campuses. And we're like, sure, like... Immediately, the other people are going to stand up. Nope. Our young women said to us, there aren't any. And we said, well, we're going to fix that. So you saw a few, just a few of the rallies. We've done at least 10 already and more to come. Because we're going to stand for the truth on college campuses all over this country. And we are going to speak truth in the public square and stand for Israel. So support for Israel was one of our key issues that CWA added um, in 2013, and we have seven core issues. Of course, we're well known for the life issue. We stood on the steps of the Supreme Court for the overturn of Roe v. Wade. It's a moment I will never, ever forget. My father was a pastor from Appalachia for 51 years, and he passed two years ago, three years ago now, and uh, in memory of him... Because he's the person who taught me to respect life. And that God knit us together in our mother's womb. And we're fearfully and wonderfully made regardless of where we come from or our cognitive ability or our physical ability or our socioeconomic status. God loves us and he made us. And we must protect that. So I wore his ring around because he'd already passed away around my neck on a gold chain to remember him. But I also have to feel like at this moment, he's one of those clouds of witnesses that are leaning forward because he also taught me to love Israel. And I've always loved Israel. I was raised to love Israel and to understand Genesis, understand the Abrahamic covenant, right? To understand those who love Israel, support Israel, he will bless them that bless thee, he will curse them that curse thee, and all the world will be blessed by you. And Pastor Jack talked about that. And we've seen that. Anybody that's had a PET scan, that came from Israel. So many of the things we're able to do in agriculture came from Israel. All the things, the technology that we have came from Israel. And they just want to exist. 
There's 55 majority Muslim nations in this world and one Jewish state. But this all changed a little bit for me when, when in 2013 I took my first trip to Israel. I was a guest of an organization called APEC. And when I was there, we saw, of course, the religious sites, and we met, went to the Knesset and met members of the Knesset, which is their Congress, and saw amazing things and understood the real geopolitical issues around Israel. Well, one of the things we did is we went to Yad Vashem. Now, many of you may have been to the Holocaust Museum in, in Washington, D.C., and you should go if you haven't. But if you can go to Israel and go to Yad Vashem, you need to do it. And you start out and you walk into the museum and you walk across a bridge coming from the outside into the building. It's beautiful and bright and white. And you walk over some, uh, a bridge that has a noise. And, I'm, you know, I'm just kind of talking. All of a sudden, I'm like, what is that noise? And they said it replicates the sound of the trains taking prisoners to Auschwitz. And so through sight and sound, you understand what really happened in the Holocaust. You see the joyful faces of Nazi soldiers as they murdered Jews. You understand. You see the shoes. You see the pictures. And then when you're done with that, you leave and you go to another area, and it's the Children's Memorial. And you walk in, it's like almost underground, and you enter in a cylindrical room. And in the middle of that room is one candle. But that candle in your completely dark cylinder room is reflected by thousands of tiny mirrors. And it looks like stars. And by the way, a candle is the traditional way that Jews mourn death. But also in that room are pictures of children who died in the Holocaust. In fact, 1.5 million babies, children died in the Holocaust. And as you stand there and you walk through the room looking into the faces of these children, you hear their names and their ages, and their countries of origin. So it sounds like this, and these are real names. Maria Kolbeck, age 10, Denmark. Edith Frank, age 12, Germany. Gregory Shee, age 3, Austria. And on and on and on it goes into you can barely stand to listen anymore. It would go for over 50 hours if you stood there long enough before it gets to the end of 1.5 million children. And when you walk out of that room, you come back into the light and you see a sign that says, the road to Auschwitz was paved with apathy. Think about that. As we collect ourselves outside this horrific testimony until what happens, we understand that the Christian church didn't stand up. 
We weren't there. And of course there's some notable differences. You go to the righteous among the nations, the, the beautiful trees also on the property, and you learn about amazing people who for no personal gain risked everything to do the right thing to protect the Jews. And of course, many of us know Corey Tim Boone, right? She's one of those. And so you get to the end of that, and there's a lot to think about. So in my experience, I left Yad Vashem, and we were going to Masada on my tour. And I hadn't been feeling well, and the tour guide asked me, you're, you're dehydrated, I want you to stay behind. And I said, okay. And so I stayed in the cafeteria, but I was really, you know, there was a lot going on in my head. <laughs> and I was really processing. And uh, maybe noting it, a Jewish woman ended up sitting by me and, and striking up a conversation the way strangers do. And she said to me, are you here on a tour? And I said, yes, I'm here on a tour. And she said, what have you been learning? And I said, I just come from Yad Vashem. And the question that is tugging at my heart and nagging at my heart is if I had been alive between the years of 1938 and 1945, if I were in Nazi-occupied Europe, what would I have done? What would I have done? Knowing that if I took Jews and hid them in my home, which is the right thing to do, I could go to the camps. And I kind of decided and I thought about it and I said, you know, I think maybe I could do it. But then I remembered I have children. <laughs> and if you bring some, if you hide Jews, you all go. Your children go with you. What would I do? And the woman said to me, don't you think, I see you have a cross on, don't you think that your God would give you the grace to do the right thing? And I said, well, yes, but it's not his character that's in doubt, it's mine, right? And she said, you know, I don't think you're asking yourself the right question. The right question to ask because you will never be able to figure out what you would have done back then. The question asks is, what will you do now? What will you do today? And I'm asking you that question. What will you do now? Because the goal of Hamas and terrorists and Iran is there to be Holocaust 2.0. There's no question. Matthew 25, 40 says, Truly I say unto you, as you did unto the least of these, my brethren, you did to me. What are we going to do as unto Christ? We are called to this moment. I'm not sure why people didn't see it before, but we see it. We know. So here we are. In 2005, at the end of the second Antifada, Israel withdrew from Gaza unilaterally giving them the whole thing. They even dug up their dead and took everyone out. And not everybody wanted to go because Jews had been there for decades, but they made them leave. But it wasn't enough. And then, of course, we know that the ceasefire officially ended because Hamas broke it on October 7th. And guess what? It took about 10 minutes for the world to turn and blame the Jews. 
the worst atrocities that I have maybe seen in my lifetime that I actually knew details about, and so did everyone else, and immediately, in about 10 minutes, it was the Israelis that were blamed. College campuses exploded in violence. In the days after the Hamas attack in Australia, a video was taken of people chanting, gas the Jews. In L.A., a man was screaming, kill the Jews, and he tried to break into a family's home. At Cornell, the Jewish center received bomb threats and students were threatened by mobs. In Indianapolis, a woman tried to drive her car into what she believed was a Jewish school. Students in New York have been forced to hiding in their library because they were fear, in fear of mobs. Teachers have been threatened for attending a pro-Israel rally. And acts of anti-Semitic violence have risen more than 100% in, the two, in two months, just in the last two months. It's now. Never again is now. C.S. Lewis said, there's no neutral ground in the universe. Every square inch, every split second is claimed by God and counterclaimed by Satan. And this is one of those moments. So are you ready to fight for Israel? We're going to put on our armor and we're going to fight and the spiritual realm for Israel tonight. So stand with me if you would. Let's call out angel armies. Now what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you prayer points. And I'm going to give you a few minutes to, in, to enter corporate prayer. Silently or even out loud. Pray for all your heart for Israel. You can stand, you can kneel at your seat. However you feel led at this moment, pour your heart out for Israel. So first I want to ask you to pray for peace for Israel. Psalm 122, 6-8 says, Pray for peace for Jerusalem. May they be secure who love you. Peace be within your walls and security within your towers. For my brothers and companions' sake, I say to you, Peace be with you. Jesus cried over Jerusalem. He saw through the ages, not just for spiritual reckoning, but also for what we have seen. The pogroms, the Holocaust, all of this. So if you'll join me now, quietly, let's pray for peace in Jerusalem. Dear Lord, our heart breaks for what breaks yours. Dear God, we pray for your people. Father, we pray for protection. We pray for leadership. We pray that you will have a great anointing at this time. 
for the Israeli people. And God, we pray that they're able to wipe out Hamas. Lord, we know that you, your heart is with them and so is ours. We pray this in your name. Next, we're going to a time of prayer for the victims of Hamas. And I'm going to show you a picture. I'm just going to tell you a quick couple of stories that I just want you to know about in order to sort of have a frame of reference. This is Abigail Adon. She turned four in captivity. Her story is that she lives in a, a beautiful little kibbutz called Faraza, right on the border of Gaza, which, by the way, these aren't the right-wingers living in this kibbutz, right? These are the people who want peace and a two-state solution and open borders. I mean, these are the people who were living in peace and harmony. And on that fateful morning, little Abigail was out on the street with her father. And while she was gone, her, a Hamas terrorist came in. Her brother and her sister, ages 6 and 10, were there. And their mother put them in the safe room. And then he murdered her. He did not kill the children, but they had to wait for 14 hours without food, without water, with their mother's dead body to be rescued. And when they saw that their mother was dead and he had left the house, they ran out to the street looking for their father, and they saw their father holding little Abigail. She was three. And they saw Hamas fighter shoot him and murder him while he was holding Abigail, and he fell over on top of her. So they thought she was dead too. So they ran back into their safe room, as they'd been trained to do by their mother, took their phone, and texted family members that lived further away. But she wasn't dead. She wiggled out from underneath her father's dead body, covered in his blood, and went next door to the neighbor's house. These are people that live in community. She knew these people. And as we all would, they took her in, took her into their safe room, and the father, being a good man, went out to try to defend the kibbutz. And while he was out, they were all kidnapped. His wife, his children, his three children, and Abigail. We've prayed for Abigail. You saw her picture in the videos. We've prayed all over this country for Abigail. But I've got to tell you, praise the Lord. She's come home. But the story doesn't end there because she's come home as an orphan with no parents and a long road ahead of her to recover. I want to show you another picture of the Biba family. That's little Fear, who's 10 months old, and Ariel, who's four, and his two parents. They lived in a, another kibbutz, and they were taken. But this time, there's not a happy ending. We're looking for that baby. There's been word that, because they play psychological games, we don't know. But there's been word that they were murdered. We we don't know. The IDF is still looking. But God can do anything. God knew ahead of time that we were going to be praying here tonight, right? I believe in retrospective prayers. God's above time. And so... 
There's about 150 people still, still in captivity. These are elderly people. Some of them are Holocaust survivors. These are young men, and these are women and babies. So join me right now in prayer. And let me say before I begin that in, I, we've been taking, we've been, one of the most deeply honoring things I've ever gotten to do in my entire life is we were asked to take families of these, these captives, American families, and by the way, Abigail is American, and connect them with members of Congress. And by the way, we have 24 hours to do it. <laughs> but concerned women for America, we know what we're doing. And God made a way, and we brought them to seven women senators in one day, all together, to one crying and, and thanking them and pledging their support. And then that was Cindy Hyde-Smith put that together for us, senator from Mississippi, pray for her. And then Kathy McMorris-Rogers, who's a dear sister in Christ and an incredible prayer warrior, brought together 15 House women members, Democrats and Republicans, and I literally sat across the table from Debbie Wasserman Schultz and nodded along with what she said. <laughs> that was a miracle. <laughs> there was not a dry eye because we all know. And we looked at the pictures of little Abigail and we said, remember this face. When this war gets messier and messier and messier and they continue to blame the Jews. Remember when you have no respect for life and you use people for as human shields, innocents die. And so I prayed over those women, over those families. This verse is from the Nevi'im, from, the, from their book. Jeremiah 31, 15 through 16. Thus says the Lord, a voice in Ramah, a limitation and bitter weeping. Rachel is weeping for her children and she refuses to be comforted for her children for they are no more. But thus says the Lord, keep your voice from weeping and your eyes from tears for there is a reward for your work, declares the Lord, and they shall come back from the land of the enemy. Let's pray this right now over the captives. Dear Lord Jesus, we lift up the captives. We lift them up now as those that are still imprisoned. And God, men, women, and children, I pray that you will bring your angel armies around them. That not one hair on their head will be touched. And if it is, that that person will be struck dead in front of everyone. God, you are powerful. You have a flaming sword of justice, and we pray that you bring it and protect these little ones. And God, for baby Kafir, 10 months old, God, I pray that you will deliver him. And God, if he is dead, I pray for your justice to follow. Lord, I pray for the victims as they come back. Women who have been assaulted, children who have been assaulted, families that are broken, 
coming home to dead loved ones and broken lives, God, do a miracle. Do a miracle for them. And show us how we each can help. We pray, Jesus, in your name. You know, I, uh, I, I was also invited to come to the Israeli embassy and watch 46 minutes, the 46-minute film that the IDF cobbled together, and as he said, it wasn't even necessarily the worst, from the GoPro cams on the bodies of Hamas, from the dashboard cams, from the cell phones of the victims, cobbled together something that I can only describe as 46 minutes looking into the pit of hell. I have never, ever been able to conceive of such evil. But what I was shaken by almost as much is the joy with which these evil terrorists did their evil deeds. The way they perpetrated their evil deeds with joy. We even have the cell phone footage, and I heard it, of a Hamas terrorist calling from the cell phone of a dead woman to brag to his parents that he'd murdered 10 Jews. His son, with their own hands, he bragged to them, put mommy on the phone. It's like he won a Grammy. And they were proud. They praised Allah for it. That is satanic. It is absolutely out of the pit of hell. And the people that face that head on right now are the young IDF soldiers and and other countries, Americans in supporting roles. But going into the battle are young men and women who who are 18 years old. They serve in the IDF before they go to the college which makes me start to think about our colleges. They need something. They're different people. And these are the young people that are going in fighting complete and total evil. So let's pray for them tonight. Let's lift them up for protection before the Lord. Isaiah 62 says, For Zion's sake I will not keep silent. For Jerusalem's sake I will not be quiet until her righteousness goes forth as brightness and her salvation a burning torch. Let's pray for that burning torch. Heavenly Father, these young men and women who are well-trained, but also someone's children, kind of like our children, God, we pray for them. We pray for their older commanders who are making very hard decisions. And every decision means lives. God, protect them. God, I pray that not one more young IDF person will die. I pray, God, that you will protect them 
with, again, with angel armies surrounding them, go forward in front of them and beat back Satan, God. Father, we pray. Amen. I want to pray for innocent Palestinians because we know in every conflict, the people that are hurt the worst are the innocent. Hamas has no respect for life. They take great pride in using their own children as human shields. There's a thousand Christians right now in Gaza hiding in churches. And we're working hard to get them out because they're afraid they're going to be slaughtered next. And guess what? They will be. So we want to pray right now for the innocents. Let's pray for Christians. Let's pray for innocent children, people who want out, who want to be protected, but have evil leadership, which a nation weeps and groans when they have unrighteous leaders. So let's pray now. Truly I say unto you, as you did in the least of these, my brethren, you did to me. So God, we offer a cup of water for the least of these. Let's pray. Dear God, you see every little life. You love children. You love innocence. You love the meek. Lord, will you protect them? Will you pull them away from the places that are in danger? Will you help them heed the warnings that the Israelis give when they say they're going to bomb a building that they know their innocence in? Will you with stop Hamas from not allowing them to leave? Will you allow them to go where they're safe, Father, and just go before them? And God, for our Christian brothers and sisters, Lord, I pray for um, Joe Rosenberg and others that are trying to move them into other and safer places. Make a way, God. And also, Lord, make sure that in that net that none slip through that are of evil, that only your people are freed and taken to the West Bank or wherever you have them to go. And finally, let's pray for our nation. So many things. So many things. Who knew that you barely scratched below the surface and out pours evil, poisonous anti-Semitism? Was I alone at being naive at that? We're dealing in a country that sexual nihilism is rampant. Men, the fact that there's men and women are in question in some people's minds. Confusion of young minds is being, people are being profiting, people are profiting from it. We've killed about 60 million babies in abortion. We're not caring for our elderly in some cases. And people love self more than God. That's how you know it's thin times, right? You know, all of the things that I saw 
in that 46 minutes of hell. All of that is a $700 flight away from here. Or perhaps a trip across the Rio Grande. We need to pray for our country to return to God. And we need to pray for protection for America. And as I said, God's not surprised. He's putting his people in place. And he's got you here now. This is your time. This is your moment to stand, to act, to pray, to advocate, to educate. This is our time to come forward. So join me in prayer for the United States. Pray, Lord. We pray to the Lord for us to return to righteousness and to put our eyes back on the Good Shepherd. 2 Chronicles 7.14 says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then... I will heal from here from heaven. I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. Let's pray for that. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you tonight asking for one more chance for America. God, we pray that people's hearts will return to you. God, we pray as a church that we will be the the essence of Christ. That when we simply walk into the room that people can feel the Holy Spirit and know that we are your people. Lord, help us to speak words of love, words of wisdom, words of truth. Lord, help us to advocate for what's true and good and pure. God, I pray for the safety of America. Lord, I pray that you will withhold any ability for terrorists to do their evil deeds and hurt innocents on our shores. God, I pray that you will give our leaders wisdom to be one step ahead, always one step ahead. God, I pray for our members of Congress. God, I pray specifically for Mike Johnson. God, I pray that you will protect him and his family and that the many things that have been happening to him and his family that will be stopped, it will cease at this moment. That you will protect them bodily, spiritually, in every single way, Father. That you, again, will empower him to stand for truth. God, I pray for the Senate. I pray for Chuck Schumer. God, I pray that you'll help him to continue to stand for Israel. And I pray for wisdom for our leaders to cut off the funding that is going from Iran to these ideological evil people, either in our universities, the Hamas terrorists, Hezbollah, all of those, God, that you will stop it. God, give us a way, give us strategies and wisdom. God, I pray 
But above all, as your people, that we will stand for you. That we will say, never again. Never again. Not on our watch, God. We will stand before you with our bodies if needed to protect the innocent and the weak. God, we are called in your name to care for the least of these, Lord. And tonight we commit, we recommit anew that tonight going forward we will pray, we will act, we will advocate, we will educate, and we will vote, and we will stand for truth. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. It's a great honor to be with you all tonight. God bless. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Women for America. To keep up with the work that we're doing, be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and head to our website, concernedwomen.org.